Good morning, everyone. This should round off our series about the church, which we've been talking about through September. Just to remind you, from uh, first of all, uh, Rich talked about the priesthood of believers. Following that, Nita talked about uh, the purpose of the church. Jody talked about what I like to think of as the flavor of the church. What, what does the church look like? And last week was Glorious Things Are Spoken about the church, part one. This is part two. So I'm going to have a, a quick recap. Uh, George, if you could just start the, uh, the presentation. Don't worry about the fact that this is a PowerPoint and there are lots of slides. I've heard the expression death, death by PowerPoint before. Totally familiar with that. It's just about that we can all uh, read scripture together. There was a time when we'd all just be reading out of our Bibles, but everyone's got different versions now, and it just makes it, it uh, easier this way. So this is uh, one scripture that was looked at where, uh, under the heading of glorious things are spoken about the church. Ephesians 1, we, we looked uh, a lot of scriptures from Ephesians. God placed all things under his feet, that's Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And I said, what an amazing truth that is. Can we really grasp hold of it? Are we really the fullness of him who fills everything in every way? In, some, in one sense, we are now. This is, this is truth, that everything that needs to be done, that Jesus needed to do, has been done. Uh, in another sense, as we'll see later, we're actually working towards that fullness. Uh, there's this kind of thing in tension, which I suppose I think of as the now and the not yet. It's, uh, there are things that are, are true now, but there are actually also things that are happening and need to be fulfilled. Although that this is partly true now, it's also our destiny to be the fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. Okay, um, Another one we looked at was in Ephesians 2. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And if you remember, we, we then uh, pointed out that Paul turns it on the Ephesians and says, and, and you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And we applied that to ourselves and said, we too are being built Epping Forest Community Church, too, are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In one sense, we are already a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, um, but there's also a building process that's going on. Who is the builder? Jesus is the builder. <laughs> we, are, we are not the people who build. Jesus is the builder. Jesus said, on this rock... He said to Peter, I will build, this build my church. And Nita talked about that, that rock being the, the, uh, a rock of revelation about who Jesus is. Jesus will build his church, but we need to cooperate with him. In one sense, we are co-builders. In another sense, we are the building material. Peter said that you, like living stones, are being built in, uh, into a temple. Um, we have a vital part to play. Um, a quick reminder as well that, that Penny challenged us last week about the use of the word meditate because I said that these, these truths are things that, that we get through meditating. 
And she said, well, people mean different things by that. And we had a, a chat about it afterwards. Um, the Oxford English Dictionary says that, it, that to meditate is to exercise the mind in contemplation, focus on something in this manner. It's an active thing. It's not freeing your mind passively. But for the child of God, it involves prayer and waiting on God, asking for revelation and obtaining spiritual understanding uh, through that process, for, through drawing near to God, really. Um, so on that note, last week I mentioned this verse, which says, For this reason, ever since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I have glossed over this verse many times in years gone by and not really grasped hold of what he's saying because we, we need to get a knowledge of God's will. But it doesn't just come through just through study. It doesn't just come through gaining head knowledge. It comes through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And so my advice is get spiritual wisdom. If you hang around this world long enough, then you will gain worldly wisdom. And there's nothing bad, really, about having worldly wisdom. But if you want spiritual wisdom, you spend time with God. <laughs> That's in short what it's about. It's about spending time with God, and you will gain spiritual wisdom and understanding. You also may remember last week that I produced a CD and showed you how you could examine all the data that's written on it, analyze it in every imaginable way, but still not get to the heart of it. Um, there may be a lot to the data, but its true meaning is only obtained when you put the CD into the player. Then you hear the music, and then you feel the emotion, and you grasp what the composer intended. And this illustrates or what I was illustrating by that, in case you didn't quite get that, is that this illustrates the need to kind of plug into God, get revelation from the Holy Spirit who will guide us into all truth and to kind of hear his music. It's a bit like when Jesus, uh, after he told some parables, said, let him who have ears to hear, let him hear. Or as the message translates it, are you listening? Really listening. If Rachmaninoff is not really your thing, and I can totally understand that, then just replace in your mind the, the mu- your, your favourite music or, or yeah, one that, that you really identify with. And also, last week, I issued a challenge to think about what Jesus prayed for all his followers in John 17, uh, present and future. Um, Jesus said this, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. And my challenge really was, do you believe this prayer is going to be answered? Because it's not just, or is it just wishful thinking? I I believe uh, it it will be answered. But then what do we mean 
by unity? What does it look like? When, what does it mean for the pract- in practice for the way that we relate to one another? It's not an easy territory to go there. It's, um, it's kind of ground to be taken, but we need to go there. Without God, it's absolutely impossible. Um, I brought this to your attention as well, carry on the Ephesians theme. Now to him who is able to do it immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work in us, with, is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And then one more glorious thing that's spoken about the, the church, which I didn't mention last week, but Nita did mention it, but I must recall it because it's fantastic, this. That, that his intent, says Paul in Ephesians 3, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose the, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. The word approach, by the way, is other times in the Bible is translated draw near. Um, we can draw near to God with freedom and, and confidence. But what an amazing truth that it's through the church that God's wisdom uh, is made shown. That word uh, manifold, by the way, is also, is, that's, that translation doesn't really give Credit to it because it's got this kind of um, sense of uh, multifaceted um, iridescent, somebody suggested, but then we don't know what that word means. It's like shining everywhere, reflecting everywhere. God's wisdom uh, is like that. And in his wisdom, it's his intent that through the church, through us, then his wisdom is shown to the rulers and powers in the heavenly realms. Okay, so now we're going to get on to this week's <laughs> sermon. <laughs> and let's read all this uh, through together. We're going to be looking at Ephesians 4 this time, not the, uh, in its entirety, just up to verse 16, but there's still quite a lot. So let's uh, read through it together, and then we'll go back and look at it in more detail. So, as a prisoner for the Lord then... I I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. (laughs) Wow. 
It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be fathers and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Phew, well done. <laughs> There's a lot of, lot of powerful truth in that, isn't there? And what a lot of challenging stuff. I'm and quickly, back to, back to where we started. And I'm going to just say, say a few things about this, and then after a while I'm going to ask you some questions, get, get some feedback from you. So, first of all, we've received a calling. You have received a calling from the Lord. And the, what Paul is saying is, I, I urge you to live a life worthy of that calling. And involved in that is to be completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love. Um, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, that's what we need to do. Um, and the next thing he says is, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit uh, through the bond of peace. Um, and then he brings seven aspects of, of oneness, uh, which is what God has done through um, what Christ has done uh, and brought about. The oneness that he probably had in mind, which, is, which comes out, I think, in Ephesians 2, is the, the oneness of Jews and Gentiles who once were separate, but now <clears throat> through what Christ has achieved, um, he himself, it says, has, has become our peace and he has brought us together. Um, but there is one body and one spirit and one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Um, there are seven things, and seven, as you know, is, is a number of, of completeness. And you could also consider this um, as two lots of three, where you've got one, uh, where you have, in the first three, you have the Spirit. In the next three, you have Jesus the Lord. And in the, <clears throat> and the last one, to complete it, you have God the Father. Um, but God the Father is given three attributes as well of completeness. God the Father of all is over all and through all and in all. 
Um, so that might be another way of, of thinking about it is like three um, of, of two threes and then a, a last three, which altogether makes seven. Got that? <laughs> um, there is a lot of stru- structure in, um, from Hebrew writers, which I think sometimes gets lost on us because we don't write in that way. Um, but uh, often, um, for example, if you read an account of Jesus' parables, then they have a structure to them that we don't see in our English translation. Um, but it, it's there when you, uh, when you consider it. But anyway, moving on. Um, what, what does this teach us, really? Um, that there's, first of all, there is, a, there is a tension here. Do we have complete unity in the church, worldwide? No, not now. But, and yet, there is a truth here of what God has established is something that is complete uh, and full. Uh, it's, an, it's another thing which is now and the not yet. We'll see later on, or we actually read it earlier, that um, Paul doesn't consider that the unity to actually be fully established and that we're working towards it. Um, and yet, the unity that we do have, it says needs to be preserved, make every effort to keep or preserve the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. How do we do this? Well, we clothe ourselves with humility and gentleness um, and patience uh, and love. Um, This should govern our approach to, to those in the church with anyone who disagrees. And we do so... Um, with, with a fear of God, um, understanding that, um, that this is the body of Christ. Uh, we need to have a, a kind of respect for, for the body of Christ. Um, this is a, a quick aside. Uh, Rich and I were, uh, five years ago, went to Kyrgyzstan. And, <laughs> and we had a, a, a day, day off from, uh, from our duties where we, we went walking in the hills and we, we came across a notice and the notice said this, it's prohibited to disunity and mangle, <laughs> which is a complete mistranslation. Um, but I had to do quite a lot of research to find out that the, um, presumably the Kyrgyz and the uh, Russian beneath it actually says it's prohibited to light fires and barbecues. <laughs> and yet, this notice continues to speak to us because in the church, it's prohibited to disunity and just don't mangle people, okay? <laughs> Having established that we are all one um, and the unity of the church, then um, Paul then moves on to talk about the diversity and the different gifts that God has uh, given different people in the church. Um, And so we (coughs) say to each uh, one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it, and that there are different gifts. Um, When he ascended on high, he quotes Psalm 68, he took many captives and and gave gifts to his people. Um, And then there's a, a kind of a side where he, he says that he, not only did he ascend, um, but this Jesus who ascended, as, as we know, um, the ascension after he rose from the dead, 
Um, but he also descended to the, to the lower earthly regions. Um, the, the NIV translation, lower earthly regions, uh, tends to suggest it's just talking about his carnation. Um, in other words, he came from heaven and, um, and came to the earth. Um, the, another translation, or literally is what it says, is the depths of the earth. So other people have, have suggested that what this means is uh, it's talking about his utter humili humiliation on the cross and that in that respect um, he, he went into the, the depths of the earth. Um, if you want to have a discussion about what this means, then by all means talk, uh, talk to me afterwards. Um, in my mind, those are the, the two most likely explanations of what, of what it means. Anyway, but he who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Fantastic. And it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets and some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Um, and I'm going to just say a couple of words about these verses, although I don't want to actually just stop on this because I want to move on to his conclusion, which comes after this. Um, but this is uh, one of several lists of gifts that are in the New Testament, um, and none of them anywhere are exhaustive. Uh, in other words, they don't cover every, every gift. They mention some. And Paul's purpose here is to, to emphasize the purpose of the gifts, which we're going to get onto onto the, the next slide. Um, and some see this as a blueprint for the structure of Christian leadership. You've probably heard the expression fivefold ministry. Um, and the fivefold will be um, prophets, evangelists, sorry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Um, in the context here, and for the purpose of what we're doing today, I tend to be think of it more just as in parallel with other lists, such as in 1 Corinthians 12. There's one at the start of 1 Corinthians 12, one at the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, there's a list in, in Romans 12 of different gifts as well. Um, however, in support of this being about Christian leadership, then I think there are some, uh, there's, there's quite a, a strong foundation for that. Uh, apostles and prophets have already been mentioned by Paul as being foundational. They also come uh, first in the list at in the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Um, pastors and teachers are also associated with leadership. Um, pastor is more normally translated shepherd. In fact, this is the only place in the NIV where it is actually translated pastor because the word means shepherd. It's the same, it's the same word as the people who are on the hills watching their sheep on the night that, that Jesus was born. Um, so, in addition to that, um, Timothy, in Timothy it says that elders should be uh, able to teach and often pastors and teachers uh, because of the structure of, the, of, of this sentence here, um, are considered as one. And yet, um, there is a teaching gift that I think that is, is separate uh, from pastoring as well. And for example, in, in Acts 13, it says, in the church in Antioch, there, there were prophets and teachers. 
Uh, it's, it's a completely kind of a separate kind of function. So they're associated here, but they're a separate function. That's really just to say that that there's, there are good grounds for considering uh, this to be about Christian leadership, but it's not just about um, it's, it's not just this is not just about what leaders have to do. This is about the body of Christ and that gifts being given to to everyone in the, to everyone in the body because everybody has a part to play. And the purpose of all of this is until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We've already read that the church uh, is the the fullness of him who fills everything in every way, but we have still to attain to the whole measure uh, of that fullness. And then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. There's plenty of different teaching around. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So, what, what are the aspects or the elements of that vision for where we want to get to from these verses? Sorry, shout, yeah, shout, shout them out. We need to grow up. Grow up, so yeah. become mature. Yeah. yeah. Any other aspects, sorry? Draw close to him. Sorry, David? Yeah, so something of, of stability, so that we're not just blown around. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. Oh, that, there's quite a lot in there. Rooted, yeah, that's good. Um, Complete, so the, the, the fullness in, in, in its full measure, yeah. And what's the other thing you said? Oh, one, unity. Yeah, okay, that was mentioned. Anything else? <laughs> yes, as each part does its work. Yeah, yeah, very good. I'll just, yeah, I'll put a, a quick summary in here, just presenting it in a slightly different form. So the whole body of Christ to be built up um, as I said before, God, uh, Jesus is the builder, but we need to, to cooperate and do our and do the part according to the gifts that He has given us. Uh, unity in the faith, unity in the knowledge of the Son of God, become mature. We don't have time to talk about <laughs> what what that word means, but uh, yeah, that's got a, a, a lot of depth and weight behind it and attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we won't be infants, we won't be childish, not vulnerable to wrong persuasion. We will speak the truth to each other in love and we'll grow up into Christ Jesus the head and we'll be joined together supporting one another, growing in stature, building in love and each part doing its work. So the summary really is that Paul explains a really glorious vision for the church, and I want to challenge everybody here and saying, what's yours? And is it, 
is it, does it line up with that? Is it equally glorious? Because we need to get hold of these things. We have, you know, we are going places. <laughs> and as each part does its work, every part, every person has a, has a part to play in this and is vital. That's it. Carry on. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we say, Lord, that you are glorious, that your church is glorious, and that we want to be giving you glory all the time. All praise, honour, and power is yours. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.